Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another quiet night here on The Frequency. As always, to all of our new viewers, it's nice to meet you. I'm so glad you found me, the voice said. As we descend deeper into the night, listeners, we'll be sailing smoothly on a mix of classic hits and modern tastes, so there won't be any stopping the excitement going on here, the voice said softly. First up, we'll be taking it back a little bit with Piano Man. Enjoy, everybody, the voice said. The voice hit play on Piano Man and leaned back into his black leather chair. He sighed as he rubbed his eyes. He didn't know how much longer he could keep taking on the night shift. It was killing him, these long nights, and he worked a regular job. The job he worked during the day paid him barely enough to get by with a run-down apartment, and even at that his performance was suffering from all the nights in the station. He was exhausted, and on the cusp of losing his job. Running the station didn't pay much. It was owned by a strange, wealthy old man, who rarely dropped by to check up on the place, and sent a paycheck to the man's apartment every other week with no return address. Of course, the paycheck varied in amount, never good. Twelve, five, thirty-seven for Christmas once. The voice thought the older guy was weird, sure, but he couldn't afford to lose either job. And the station really meant so much to him, despite making next to no money off of it. It was special, and if he left, the peculiar people that tuned in so deep into the night would be utterly disappointed. The station would fall apart. No one around to run it. It would just go quiet. A relic of a failure. A reminder of a strange past. Perhaps the most intriguing piece of the station were the call-ins. Strange people, disturbed people, people claiming an eccentric assortment of stories to be true. A girl beyond the grave vanished through a car accident. A man living in the mind able to see into other people's dreams. A harbor containing an ancient evil, perhaps older than existence itself. Numerous accounts of a being able to take the form of anything it desired. The callers were strange. The stories were absurd, fantastical, nothing but delusional creations of the mind generated to distract these oddballs from their horrendously overpriced collection of experiences and memories called life. The voice looked at the large clock that sat stationary, hooked into the wall. He was wasting his life. Set solely on repeat day in, day out, every day, every night. Every second, every minute, every hour. All the time. He lived his life in a loop, doomed to the same monotonous schedule Nothing interesting ever happened. Claims of the paranormal and the incredulous swirling around him like a tornado, destroying everything in its path except the shop that sells fragile glass dolls. It never touched him. It supposedly was happening to everyone. Every person either had strange abilities, a demon or a ghost haunting them, or knowledge of some otherworldly, heart-stopping, worldview-altering being that changed all things you thought you knew. The voice never saw any of it. Maybe it was because he was in the station all night and at work all day. Maybe it was because none of it was true. Or maybe he was just... not one of the fortunate ones. The only one without an experience. The only one without a nightmare to recount, without a belief. The only one leading a normal, boring, soul-crushing life. The voice leaned forward into his chair as Billy Joel serenaded his listeners. Hands on his kneecaps, the voice sighed before picking up his phone from the table he sat at. 
As I slid the phone into his hand, the screen came to life, displaying the time on it. 11.33 p.m. His eyes stung and ached from days without sleep. He dropped the phone down onto the desk and brought his hand to rub his eye. As a silence fell over the room, the man's hand glided over to the desk towards the light. He switched the equipment over from the song audio to the call-in audio. As the audio switched with a crisp click, the noise of breathing echoed through the line. Hey there, welcome to the frequency. You're on the air. What have you been up tonight, caller? The voice asked, leading onto his desk. Um, is this the, uh, the, the frequency? The caller responded. His voice was strained. Worn thin, he spoke quietly. The voice's eyes were transported to the vibrantly colored orange clock that hung on the wall above the scratched-up wooden door. 11.36 p.m. It most certainly is. I take it you're a first-time caller? The voice asked. A deep exhale came through the line. <sighs> yes. Um. But I think my dad wasn't. The caller said, speaking up. Your father? Who might that be? The voice questioned. Um, yeah, well, he passed away a few days ago. Um, we just had the funeral. The caller replied. Well, it's certainly sad. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it's been tough. Uh, my sister and I were up in his attic, and we were looking through some of his old stuff. I found what I now know is your, um, Station's number, written on a bunch of papers up there, along with, uh, frequency, the station's name, the caller said. Hmm. Well, what was your father's name? The voice asked. His name, um, was George. 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 Um, hold on a second, the voice said through the line. The voice turned to a small metal cabinet that sat next to his desk. A long while back, near when the voice began working for the frequency, he decided that writing down the stories of the callers and their names, if they gave him, would be something to help pass the time. After all, there was only so much time that sitting on your phone or sketching whatever strands of thought danced through your mind could do to help pass the time during songs. The voice flipped through his papers for a second as the line sat quiet. You still there? The voice asked through the phone, returning to his desk. Yeah, the caller answered. I just looked through my record of callers and there was a George that called in a few months ago, the voice said, scratching the mahogany desk between his audio equipment. Oh, okay, um, great, thank you, the caller responded. You're welcome, and uh, I'm sorry about your dad. Thanks. The voice sat in his chair, quietly, with his hands folded on his desk. No music had been cued after Piano Man. Almost snapping back to reality, the voice blinked a few times before hastily jumping to the music selection to find something to fill the silence. He jumped to the first song he could find, Material Girl by Madonna. I, um, I guess it's Madonna right now. Sorry about my hesitation, folks, the voice said as he faded into the background of the boisterous, dreamy pop tones of Material Girl. 
The voice stood up from his chair for a few moments to stretch his legs. He wiped his hands on his black jeans. He walked over to the mini-fridge he kept at the opposite side of the station and took a can of soda from it. He stared at the vibrant blue can for a few seconds before his hands jumped to the top of it to press the tab up. The voice wasn't quite sure why the conversation with the caller had shaken him so much. All he ever heard were tales of the odd. It was a stark reminder of the astonishingly ordinary world that resided right outside of the green door that stood idly at the voice's left. He took a long, aggressive slurp of soda and returned to his seat as Material Girl continued to echo through the dark California night. The voice glanced at the bright orange clock once again. A few minutes after midnight, the voice rubbed his darkened eyes, which stung as he pulled his hands away. He'd been up for a few nights straight now, unable to sleep. As Material Girl began to wind down, he looked over to the cot he kept in the radio station. All he wanted to do was to fall on it and close his eyes, but he knew he couldn't, not for at least another hour, when the station went quiet for the day. He leaned back in his chair, rolling his neck and closing his eyes. The voice put his hand on the back of his neck, massaging the pain he'd started to feel in the last couple of weeks. He sat there with his eyes closed for a few seconds, resting as the song ended. He opened his eyes and returned to the desk, where he readied the next song, George Michael's Careless Whisper. He popped it on and swiveled back away from the station. As the voice sat in his swivel chair in the middle of the station, and George Michael's soothing voice echoed through the tuned-in radios, he realized his lips had been drying. Suddenly he was strangely uncomfortable. His bright orange and blue and green Hawaiian shirt began to feel itchy. He licked his lips. He jerked his head towards the green door as he heard a knocking. It was a pounding against it. He'd locked it earlier, so whatever it was couldn't get in. But that didn't make him any less unnerved. He sat in silence, staring at the door for a few seconds, his eyes wider than they'd been. His dark brown hair had fallen into his vision. His fingertips and palm grazed his forehead as he moved the strands of his hair back into place. Knocking came again. Almost louder this time, the voice thought. It couldn't have been. It wasn't, but to the voice it sounded so much louder. Almost like there was an intent to it. Like the first knock was to determine if anyone was home, and the second to establish itself as the situation's aggressor. Slowly, almost as if without thinking, the voice straightened out his Hawaiian shirt, collected himself, and began to move across the floor as quietly as possible, towards his desk. He reached it, as the knock now entered its fourth occurrence. It wasn't just aggressive, it seemed angry. The fourth knock was the most threatening. This was no longer about getting the voice to come out. It was about getting in. Without fully breaking eye contact with the door, and still just as slow, the voice turned his body slightly to face the desk. He quickly tapped a button on the songboard before reaching a drawer on his desk. He pulled open slowly so the wood wouldn't grind against itself and took a rather large handgun from it. He didn't even try to close the drawer. The voice turned towards the door, resting his arms on the swivel chair that he sat in, handgun pointed at the door. Whoever or whatever this was, it wasn't getting past the doorframe, at least not without being pumped full of bullets.
The voice's saliva went down with a hard swallow. The sixth knock began. Any harder, and it might sound less like knocking and more like trying to rip a door out of its hinges. Quickly. He didn't want to be vulnerable for long. The voice checked the magazine of his handgun. Still full. He was never here without it. He wouldn't be this far out of San Francisco without a firearm. He kept the shotgun in the trunk of his car, but for obvious reasons couldn't access that. The voice didn't move. The voice sat completely still, not making a sound, not taking his attention away from the dingy lime green door in front of him. As the seventh knock began, almost sounding like the intent now is to punch a hole right through the door itself, suddenly stopped. Three pounds against the wood, then abrupt silence. It was gone, almost as fast as it had started. The voice's eyes were wider than they'd been just a few minutes prior. When the knocking was there, when it was consistent, the voice knew exactly where, whatever he was dealing with was. But without the telltale sign of its location, he was almost defenseless. Despite having his pointer finger wrapped around the thin, chilled trigger of a handgun, he somehow felt more vulnerable. As he sat in the maddening quiet, listening as close as he could for any noises outside, his head began to hurt. Not just any kind of headache, an abnormal aching echoing back and forth through the skull, ripping out through his bones. The last time he'd felt like this, he was a child. Something like eons ago now. The insides of the voice's eyebrows turned towards the ceiling. He was overcome with a terrifying sense of dread. A kind of dread he hadn't felt since he'd felt the pain he'd had as a child. Tears began to swell at the corners of his eyes. He felt trapped. Thoughts and fractured images flashed through his mind. His mother, him as a child, sick in bed, the looming sense of something in the edge of the tree line. Big. No. Tall. That was an important distinction. Something angry. Jagged ends. Sharp points. He was sick like this for a while as a child. A type of sickness he hadn't felt before, or since. His mother took him to the doctor, but they couldn't find anything. They said it might have been psychological. A mental illness? No, certainly not. Right? Went away after seven days exactly. Like the heaviest feeling of something like guilt was ripped from his shoulders. But that feeling was back. It had morphed into something far different. Something drastically altered from whatever it had been when they met all those years ago. The voice's eyes burned. They stung. His sleeping pattern was catching up to him. He couldn't pass out now, not when this thing was so close to him after years of absence. When his mother died years back, he wasn't sure what to feel. His last connection to his old life was severed. His father was gone. He fell, but the ice wasn't there to catch him. He sunk right down into the auburn depths. He never missed his father after they found him in pieces glass in hand and steel in mind, the metal climbing towards the sky above. 
That note he'd written, the voice read, a disappointment to the man. But that's not something that needs further elaboration, does it? Maybe it did. After all, it wasn't something he'd thought long or deeply about. The way those letters in the back hauled his father out, zipped into black and out the door into white. Those days were a blur. They faded so much, yet they're so deeply burned into his mind. Ingrained so clearly and crisply into his psyche, yet wiped over and over from countless and impossible amount of recalling and forgetting. The voice blinked several times, attempting to shake the thoughts out of his mind. A quiet scratching appeared against the outside of the wall behind him. He sat completely still, completely silent. He finally knew where it was. Without thinking, he tightened his grip around his handgun. He reached over his right arm and pressed a button on the board on his desk, breaking eye contact with the door for only a few seconds. Feeling a sudden wave of courage wash over him, the voice stood up from his swivel chair, still aiming his handgun at the door. He turned slightly and grabbed his car keys from the desk. His chest throbbed in time with his heartbeat. His skin felt hot. Every part of his body burned in discomfort. He'd be stepping out into deep night. Just him and the thing outside the door. The only ones around for miles. Exhaling quick, short breaths, the voice stepped up to the door. He could still hear the scratching on the wall behind him, facing down the hill. Almost without thought, he clicked off the light switch. The station was pitch black. Readying to unlock his car, the key between his fingers, he lowered his hand to the doorknob. He clicked the lock, then wrapped his long fingers around it. As the voice popped the door out of its place, he heard the faint scratching behind him stop. He took a deep, quiet breath. In a rush, he yanked the door open. Given his haste, he might have ripped the already frail door out of its hinges, but he made sure to open just far enough for him to get out. He quickly slammed it behind him, still aware of the fact that he was an employee of this station, and no matter how unofficial that may have been, he still had to lock up every night. This night was no exception. He quickly swapped the He quickly swapped from the car key to the door key in his fingers and popped in the lock. It clicked and he pulled the key out. He still couldn't hear any scratching. As he swapped keys once more, the voice glanced to the large patch of dense shrubs and trees that rested right next to the station. Illuminated by only the blue of the night sky, nothing was there. Nothing had come roaring around the corner, eager to rip him apart. Just dead silence. Something felt off. Just a looming feeling. Something aching deep inside his mind, connected in the most primal of ways to the voice. Within the next second, the voice had turned and was sprinting for his car, which sat about 20 yards from the station. He didn't like parking so far away, but it was as close as he could get without having to drive through fencing. His heart was climbing up to his throat. The frigid air washed over him, as his warmth from being inside faded away into the silence surrounding him. 
He gripped the handgun tighter than he had been before as he rushed towards his car. He couldn't pinpoint it, nor did he truly want to, but something deep inside of him was yelling out, screaming at him to keep running, to not look back. Maybe it wasn't some primal beast flushed from the depths of the universe, which crawled its way through the urban forest of San Francisco all the way to the radio station. Could have been a dog. Some bored teenagers playing some kind of sick joke on a frayed mind. He wanted to know. He had to know. A few yards from his car, the thought danced through his mind, lighting up the space as dark as the night that engulfed them. That when the key jumped into that lock, and his hand ripped the door open, once he was safely inside his vehicle, he'd stop and observe whatever was tormenting him. Of course he would. He couldn't leave without a conclusion. His final few steps to his car came, and the sense that something was hot in his trail lifted. He stopped at the door, keyed the lock, and looked back. Nothing. Nothing but empty space between him and the station. Nothing but him and the night. This could have been it, could it? His downtrodden, sleep-deprived mind grasping for stimulus when there simply wasn't any? It all felt so real. It had to be real. It couldn't have just been an illusion. He heard the scratching, the pounding on the door. The voice stood motionless in the dark. He stared ahead at the station and the distance between them. He heard a twig snap from the patch of trees next to them. He flung the arm holding the gun up to aim at the trees. He stood silent and still. Something was there. It was back. The feeling of dread had returned. It was different from the sense of danger he'd felt in the run to the car. It was just like what he'd felt so many years ago, and what he'd felt inside the station. But it was more potent. It was here with him. It was watching. As the sense of dread overwhelmed his mind and paralyzed his body, something dark moved in the brush. Antlers. His mind almost settled when he saw that. Just a deer. His grip around the trigger loosened by the slightest bit. The antlers were motionless, like the deer had been frozen in place. It began to unsettle him even more. Despite his mind and body screaming for him to get in the car and never come back, he had to know. He'd lost this feeling so long ago, and it would have haunted him the occasional echoes through his mind over the next few decades. He lightened his grip, still maintaining aim. He was terrified, but he was no longer afraid of this feeling. The antlers began to move. They rose, foot after foot. The voice's eyes widened. A chill ripped over his body and the hair on his neck stood up. This was what had haunted him over the week as a child. The feeling of dread was stronger and more potent than it had ever been. He could feel his muscles tightening. He pulled the trigger, firing one shot off into the night. The blazing orange burst lit up the dark blue around him as if the sun itself had come out for just a second. The creature ducked back into the bushes and continued to watch him as he dove into the car. He jammed the key into the ignition and the car wheezed to life. 
He turned the lights on and nearly killed the transmission, shoving the car into reverse and whipping it around to escape. He felt that if he stuck around any longer, the creature would come out of the trees after him. He pushed the car into drive and sped down the winding hill towards the bright lights of the city. He turned on the radio to calm down. He could relax. He'd escaped. A sense of relief washed over him. His breathing returned to normal, and the looming sense of dread slowly dissolved. All he could do now was hope whatever he felt there didn't come back anytime soon.